You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Welcome back to Water Flying. I'm Abby Kellett, a flight instructor in seaplanes and assistant to the executive director at the Seaplane Pilots Association. I'm joined as always by Steve McCauley, executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association. Well, before we start this next episode, we would like to thank our sponsors. That's all of you, the members of the Seaplane Pilots Association. You've shown real dedication to helping us achieve our mission of protecting and promoting water flying. If you're not a member, we would like to welcome you to give us a call at 863-701-7979, or you can join or renew online at cplanes.org. This podcast is just one of the ways we want to communicate with you, our members, and the public. If you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can send us a message on those medias. You can also email us at spa at seaplanes.org or give us a call at 863-701-7979. On today's very special episode, we would like to talk about the Tyler Orso Chuck Kimes Memorial Seaplane Rating Scholarship, which is offered by the Seaplane Foundation through the generosity of 501c3 tax-deductible donations. I've got a special place in my heart for this uh, scholarship. Terry and Tyler and Chuck and I go back a long way. Uh, And this scholarship was created to introduce aspiring young professional pilots to the world of seaplane flying. The award of the scholarship covers training and checkride and everything required to receive a single engine C rating. Tyler Orso and Chuck Kimes were experienced, enthusiastic seaplane pilots, and in 2011, they and two others lost their lives in a ferry accident in a Grumman Goose in the Middle East. On the 10th anniversary of this really tragic accident, we want to share the story of these two men and a little more about the legacy they're leaving behind in this scholarship. We're joined today by Terry Hayes, Tyler's mother and the scholarship chair. Terry, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Abby. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited about the Seaplane Scholarship. It's obviously something that's very near and dear to my heart, and I appreciate you having me on today. Yes, and Terry, we really appreciate you coming on. It's it's kind of a hard subject to talk about at times, especially as we you know just celebrated or celebrated, uh, recognized the 10th anniversary of this event. But, uh, you know, we created this scholarship also about 10 years ago. And now I'm excited that you've actually come on to help me work by chairing uh, the scholarship uh, committee with Andrea Edge and uh, reading the applicants and going through them and doing the applicant selection and all of that stuff. So uh, would you be willing to let our listeners know a little bit about Tyler and Chuck, uh, you know, for those of them that didn't have the, you know, the unbelievable opportunity to share time with them. You know, Steve, that's one of the things I missed the most about um, being able to talk about Tyler and his adventures and his accomplishments. So I'm really happy to share those. And it's always, always a privilege to talk about Chuck, my good friend. (laughs) Um, Tyler and Chuck are both 
both people that grew up in aviation. They were both um, involved in float planes and airplanes and everything from a very young age. They both had a passion for float plane flying, and I think that's why they got along so well. You know, Steve, <laughs> as you know, uh, Chuck ran the Clear Lake Splash in for years. He also set, had a seaplane operation that um, he did a lot of albatross ferrying and moving airplanes all across the, the world. I mean, Andrea still shares some really great stories with us, and that might be a good podcast for you later. Some of those oh. trips they did were pretty amazing. Yeah, I think uh, I think that yeah. that's a whole episode in itself, and Chuck actually did my uh, ground school for the albatross type rating, and we did quite yeah, a lot of Yeah, so you flying. know. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he got his flying, Chuck got his flying start with float with boats and stuff when he went down to St. Thomas to talk to Charles Blair, who was an old friend of his dad's. They had both flown, he and his dad had flown together at uh, Pan Am. Chuck's father was an amazing, famous, <laughs> yeah. famous pilot. That's a whole different story, but I'm sure your readers would enjoy just looking up the Pan Am flight. 843. Off of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, Chuck went down. Um, Charles Blair called Chuck and said, do you have a single engine C? And Chuck said, no. He said, do you have a multi-engine C? And he said, no. And he said, well, how soon can you get it? Can you get them in three weeks? And Chuck said, absolutely. So he went to Mike Brown there at Lake Tahoe, got his ratings. And at 25 years old, he went down to um, the – St. Thomas and was Antilles flying the Grumman until he seaplanes flying the Mallards down there. And he did that for about a year. Um, he spent 26 years flying for American. He and his partner, Ray Wolf, who I'm sure you met at the Clear Lake oh, Squad. Yeah, he flew on our wedding At the ground flight. school. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, he, the two of them had been doing a lot of work with the Edwards Air Force test pilot program with the Albatross. That's how my son Tyler got involved. And Tyler used to do the maintenance for that. And then Chuck would let him fly after he did some work on that. So Tyler got quite a bit of Albatross time with Chuck at Clear Lake. Um, I've got some of the best pictures on the wall of Tyler's big smile flying this albatross. <laughs> you could tell he just loved it. And and that was Chuck. Chuck mentored so many young people. And if you had the privilege of knowing Chuck and being able to be with Chuck, he he just inspired so many people. Anything Chuck took on, he did it above and beyond. He was the person who paid attention to detail. He was so organized. If you if you really didn't want something done right, you didn't want to call Chuck because Chuck was the person, he did it above and beyond. So if you just needed something done real quick, don't call Chuck because he's going to be the one to do it to the extreme. And you'd have something that we're still using their outline for the Clear Lake Splash in. It was just fantastic what they did with that event because they took that event that was slowly starting to um, go away. They took it to where now the town is still running it because of Chuck. Melissa with the chamber there, she, when, when Chuck and Tyler passed away, she was the one who did the memorial fly in for them. And in the beginning, the city had kind of thought about letting it go and and we were having more difficulty finding people to run it 
So they took that on and just did an un- unbelievable job with it. But that was just who Chuck was. He was he was, was amazing. Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate all the things he did with my son. And then talking about my son, <laughs> which <laughs> I could go on and on and on forever. But um, Tyler grew up in aviation. Uh, he was very fortunate when we when we first started flying or when I first started flying, he was about two years old and he um, would hang out at the airport with me. I mean, he went, he just loved it. He, from a very early age, he loved flying. He started uh, taking, flying the tail wheels out there when he was probably seven years old and he'd go with us. And that's the whole reason I got my CFI. I never thought I'd be teaching for a living. I did my CFI so I could teach him. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was 14 years old, he soloed a glider on his 14th birthday. I actually remember day. that. <laughs> up at Crazy Creek up there, Jim Enderbo's place. What a, what a neat place that was. You know, I've heard but, those uh, stories about, you know, the 14 year olds that they're putting in gliders and I, I know who I was at 14. I can't imagine that. So that's, I, I think of the 14 year olds that they are signing off to solo gliders and those are just some real special pilots. <laughs> Like, I, uh, I yeah, know. I, I was always a man just standing on the ground watching him up there. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's only 14 years old, <laughs> <laughs> but he could already fly better than I could. So I couldn't say much. Um, yeah. So at 14, he was so alone, the glider. But Tyler did have some he was just all aviation focused. So we did have some conflicts with school. It was always hard <laughs> to do his school work. So when he was 13 years old, I bought him this project. It's called the Sky Raider. It's a lot like a kit box, but it was made by uh, the Sky Raider Corporation. So anyway, he, we bought him this project and the deal was he had to keep A's and B's for school and he could work on it and build it. Well, it only had to get put up once for a B minus, but that was the kind of kid Tyler was. If you didn't put it up for B minus, then we would just have B minuses. <laughs> so we got put up for the semester and he ended up finishing it two days before his 16th birthday. He soloed it on his 16th birthday with five other tailwheel airplanes. Um, the one he wanted to solo first was our super cub on floats. So we went down to the pond and he did that one first. Um, he just really loved to fly. When he went to college, he took his, his little Sky Raider down and he put it on floats. And he um, kept it down at the Delta there so he could fly it. So he just really loved the float plane world. Uh, he and Chuck did a lot of stuff together. Uh, they did a lot of trips together. And, the, and Andrea and Chuck had a Stinson. And they would take that up to the... Tahoe and do a lot of camping in it. And it was just, they just had a lot of good times together. Yeah. Then Tyler got all his ratings. Yeah. And he did his, he was teaching for Chuck and I. Chuck was running the seaplane, the single engine portion of NorCal. And then I had Sierra seaplanes, which was the Apache and was doing the multi-engine stuff. So Tyler was teaching for both of us and then um, also doing the maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit about the and and I can't really, I mean, I feel so fortunate to have had so many memories with both Tyler and Chuck. And I just, that's why it was so important to create the scholarship when they passed. And the story I tell, you know, and Abby's probably heard it already about, you know, one of my first memories of Tyler was the fact that he was building this airplane at 14 years old. 
um, being the Sky Raider and how I always thought I was this amazing gift to aviation and I just lived and breathed airplanes from a very young age. And if there's anyone that gave me a run for my money and outdid me, it was Tyler. Um, yeah, I still have his airplane. I fly that every day or a couple times a week at least. And it's it's a real, real blessing to have that. <laughs> yeah. And then Chuck, when you talk about details and not cutting corners, uh, uh, yeah, again, uh, doing the Albatross ground school for the type rating, you basically were told to put about five days aside and you literally spent probably more like three days, but at least 20 hours doing the ground school of just the systems for the albatross before you ever got in an albatross. Yeah. The flying portion of Chuck was amazing. Now getting that kind of, you wanted everything done right there. But if you had Chuck, he stayed with Mike and I quite a bit. And um, if you'd ask him one day, I said, can you see if you can fix that door? It's rubbing that I came home and he had the door off. He had the saw out and he had the whole thing. It was just perfect. But that's the kind of Chuck instead of just sanding the bottom a little bit. Nope. He did it to the extreme and it was perfect. And that's what you and that's want just in a pilot. Perfect. You know, you want you that do. You want that in a pilot. That's for sure. In a pilot, Chuck was a go-to guy. That's who you went to if you wanted and something done because he was fantastic. But if you just needed a little something done, like, you know, can you pick me up some ropes for the float plane? Well, the ropes you got were the best ropes you could ever find. (laughs) (laughs) And that was just Chuck, which I loved. He he was fantastic, you know. And after the accident, we we were trying to figure out a way to honor them. And we knew the float plane scholarship would be the thing to do. And, you know, um, we we tried to figure out how to come up with that. And so when we got the funds together for it, we just dumped it all on you, Steve. And that's where you stepped in. And I just want to take a minute and thank you so much for getting it set up. I was a mess after the accident and I just kind of dumped everything on you. And I know it took a lot of work and we weren't a lot of help initially, but we really, Andrea, and I really look forward to being on the chair now. It's taken us about, this long to be able to function, you know, 10 years is, it feels like it's yesterday. And um, we just really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And, and it was, it was a very difficult time. I know for you, I, I, I honestly was very concerned. We had lost you out of the flying world uh, after the accident. And I stopped flying for four years. I know. And, and it was so hard because I wanted to memorialize them and, try to make lemonade out of rotten lemons with the situation and try to do something to honor both, again, both of these amazing individuals that I had such good fortune to share time with and energy with. So um, I'm glad we're at this point of of bringing you on and Andrea on to help uh, run the scholarship because it's the right thing to do. There's no one that is more attached to these two individuals and their legacy than the two of you. So what does it mean coming on as the the chair of the scholarship for you? Because I know it's been something I've wanted for a long time, but a little bit hesitant to to do just because of the emotional side of it. Yeah, I know. And I'm very excited to be on the committee now. I know I've had the pleasure of helping out a little bit here on the West Coast with some of the recipients. And it's always bittersweet, you know, working with these young applicants. It's it's just can be hard, but it's also 
absolutely fantastic to um, honor these guys. This is this is what they love to do, and we want to be able to help more young people get into that world. For the young pilots today, it's really hard to find the extra money to justify doing a float plane rating. It's always viewed as just being a fun rating, and I think there's so much more benefit for that. Um, I think the pilots get a lot more out of their flying skills and the focus on the stick and the rudder and, you know, just – so much more than just a seaplane rating. And so it's been kind of fun. I've been following up the last two months with some of our applicants just to see how this ratings help them with their flying career. And we've got some great stories. Um, I'm hoping we can share them in the magazine and also on our Facebook page. And we'd also like to just um, acknowledge some of the schools that have helped us out so much because we know the seaplane community is a really tight community and um, everybody's so generous. And after Tyler and Chuck died, you were able to set up a lot of these schools that have just donated completely free ratings. And that's how we've been able to honor so many scholarships because what we try to do is the schools that participate in donating, then we try to send them a full rating because it's it is expensive, yeah. and we and we do know it takes an effort to do this for the schools. But some of these schools that have are the schools that have done this. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. <laughs> um, I've never met Steve Williams with Acme Cubs in Alaska, but I am going to the Airmen Show this year, so I hope to go by and say hello to him. Um, yeah, he's, he's donated. Doing great. Yeah, Jack Brown Seaplanes in Florida. Everybody knows Jack Brown. <laughs> they do a great job, and, and, and they've donated some ratings. Kenmore Air in Seattle. And then Southern Seaplanes, which I heard her on your podcast a couple <laughs> weeks ago. It was great. Um, we really appreciate what they've done. Backcountry Flying Experience out of Montana. And then Don Lee of Alaska Skis and Floats. They've all been really generous and donated a full seaplane scholarship for us. And we've had other schools that have given us some good discounts, but Hill Aviation. And um, we just really appreciate everything that these people do because it's, it's a hard, it's hard to make a living in the float plane world. So I know these schools are on a tight budget and the fact that they are willing to donate a whole scholarship is just amazing to me. Yeah. And a big we're going to do more um, awareness of these donors in the future on the Seaplane Foundation website. So we're going to have all their logos and direct links back to them because, again, um, they've really been very generous. So we want to make sure everyone knows who has been donating to the program. We're also going to try to follow our scholarship recipients on not only Facebook. We do have a, a scholarship Facebook page uh, for the Seaplane, uh, for the Tyler Orso, or so. Uh, Chuck Himes Memorial Scholarship, but also on the Seaplane Foundation website, we're going to try to tell the stories and have some video testimonials of what the scholarship meant to the recipients and where they've gone and how they've used it uh, to further their aviation careers. I, I think that would be great. And then another thing we've done, um, I know that this happened with John Carmichael, who was uh, one of my old mentors when he passed away. Kathy really wanted to honor him with the seaplane scholarship, but she didn't want to set up a whole scholarship 
foundation. You know, she just wanted to be able to honor him with a with a scholarship in in his name. And so we took the funds that she raised for that, and we did a scholarship in John's name through the organization. And that's another way we can honor other pilots too. Yeah, if someone wants to recognize someone that was very special to them with a scholarship award, with a memorial award, we can facilitate that. And we've done a couple of them. We just did a Dickie Toops one uh, last year or year before uh, at the in New Orleans with Southern Seaplane and awarded a fully paid uh, Seaplane rating scholarship for Dickie Toops Memorial. So we can do that through the 501c3. So if you have someone that you would like to memorialize in a good way by helping create new seaplane pilots, we can help you with that. Yeah, that's great. That's so great. It's really wonderful because I think these flight schools that have donated these scholarships and donated their time and training, they see it that, you know, the rating should be open to everyone. It's not an elitist rating. There is so much to gain from getting your single engine C rating and moving on, you know, getting your multi-engine C rating. And so I think the schools recognize that. And we just so appreciate the flight schools for donating that to us. So Terry, what are some of the applicant requirements for this scholarship? I know that there's an age well, limit, you know, and there's a application essay. Yeah, we have the application online, so they can pull that up online, but we want the applicants between seven. 17 and 25. We picked 25 because that's, it was actually Tyler's birthday, the day of the accident, and he would have been 25. And Chuck went down to fly Mallards at 25. So we thought that was a good, good age that it should cut off. Um, We want him to be actively pursuing a career as a professional pilot. We want them to um, be interested in seaplanes and we want them to have a membership to the seaplane scholarship or the seaplane uh, pilots association. We have an application that they fill out with all the information with three um, letters of reference and then an essay. And the essay is what we spend a lot of focus on. It is, it is so fun to read some of these essays. If, if I had it my way, I would give every single one of these applicants a seaplane rating. I know when Steve and I back in, I think it was, I forget the first year we did this. It might've been 2012 at Oshkosh with the first three recipients. We were going to give one or two applications at the, at the corn roast. uh, And Steve and I look at them and we look at them and we ended up with three of them. (laughs) I I would have got all five of them if we could. It was just awful because there were so many great ones. And, you know, I've had the privilege of my boss up in Montana, Peter Gross with that country flying. He does a scholarship every year and I've had the pleasure of flying with these kids. Um, and some of them have turned into be good friends. Uh, they keep me posted on what they're doing. Um, they send pictures. They check in. And I just can't believe how thoughtful this new generation of kids are. I mean, they are just amazing. They're smart. Most of them that I've flown with are just, um, they're amazing. And I've, it, it has been very rewarding. It's bittersweet because it makes me miss Tyler that much more. But it also really makes me smile because these kids are just just phenomenal and i like being able to share this this type of flying with them yeah i tell you i to this day 
every time we give an award, um, I can't help but get choked up and teary eyed. And I'm, I'm just such a softy when it comes to this, because, you know, I think of, of, of Tyler and Chuck every time we do an award. And yet at the same time, I would have never imagined that I would be in a position to help people like this, where you're doing these awards. And it's, it's such a humbling position to be in. And I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to do it because I quite honestly wish someone would have been there for me when I was (laughs) trying to do mine. (laughs) But, you know, I just want to call out, you know, some of our, our stories like Brooke Roman, who did her rating up in Alaska um, with Don Lee and, literally ended up going on to be one of Don's seaplane instructors and as a result uh, did over 200 seaplane ratings for individuals before moving on. So not only did we award a scholarship to someone for them to earn their seaplane rating, but that person literally turned around and created 200 more new seaplane pilots. And it's such a great story. Wow. Yes, it is. And Garrett points the same way. He worked for Don Lee for a summer and got over 300 hours flying floats that summer doing seaplane ratings. And then he is now flying for K2. And it's just it's it's rewarding to see where these people go with the float plane world. I mean, what a legacy, you know, for Tyler and Chuck and the fact that there are people that are becoming scholars that are becoming seaplane pilots in their name. Yeah. It's and amazing. Yeah. Thomas Souls uh, became a chief pilot of a seaplane operation as well, who's one of our early recipients. And so, you know, not only are we, you know, awarding a seaplane rating, but we're jumpstarting people's careers and literally changing the course of their careers to fly seaplanes for a living, which, you know, I think is one of the things we dreamed of, uh, but the fact that we're actually doing it. So thank you, Terry. Yeah, and one one of our other applicants, Lauren White, she's now flying aero commanders for spot flying. And she said that the float plane stuff really helped her flying low and close to terrain because she had never done that before. And now she's up there doing the firefighting stuff and spotting. So it's pretty it's pretty fun to follow these young pilots. Yeah. And to be able to help them. So. You know, we have a couple of real common questions that people ask about the scholarship process and the awards. And so everyone has an idea. They're not tied to aviation events, but quite often we do the awards at aviation events because it's a way for us to really recognize these individuals in front of their peers and in front of the aviation community and to get more press for them and to get them there, you know, a, a, a really strong impression on them. So typically you'll see us do awards at Sun and Fun uh, at the Northwest Aviation Conference up in Puyallup, Washington in February uh, at the Alaska Airmen Show at AirVenture and other places. You'll see us doing these awards. So, Another common question that people have is what happens if I'm not chosen um, for the scholarship in a given year? And why isn't there a due date for the applications? Terry, you want to address this a little bit? 
Yeah, I will. Um, I think the reason we decided there's no due date is because of the original when you and I were at Oshkosh and awarding that. There's just too many good ones <laughs> to say, OK, we we aren't picking you today, but we would like. There's just too many of them that that qualify that later we can go back and we're trying to put them in areas, too, of where they live. Um, So we can use some of the schools that do give us the discount and and is helpful uh, if we don't have to have them. Helpful for them because they can't afford it if they have to travel from Alaska to Florida or from Florida to Alaska to do a rating. So by putting them into a pool bank, we can pull them out later and um, use those applicants that are closer to that area sometimes. And it's just like we, we've said in the past, there's so many good ones that um, we don't want to just pick one and be done with that. So we hope to be able to at some point go back and award more. I know our goal is going to be 12 a year and um, hopefully by the end of another year or two, we'll be able to do 24 a year. Like you said, I was going to say, you know, my goal. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) so we, you know, hopefully there'd be some day where we could go back and go, okay, well, we don't have any applications. Let's use this one. Um, no, but I, I, I just think we did. There were too many of them that were qualified and really good that we did not want to just put them um, without being able to go back and, and pull them out later. So, having applied for quite a few scholarships through different organizations, this is certainly a different way of doing things. You know, not having a due date. So, just to mm-hmm. clarify, if I apply for this scholarship. And in a couple of years, if I still meet the age requirement, I'm still in need of a seaplane scholarship. You could come back and contact me and say, hey, we have your scholarship. You were in the pool. We'd like to award this to you. You're right. That's 100 percent right. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's why there's yeah. not a due date for the applications. There might be a due date if we're going to do an award at a specific event. But generally, there is not a due date for the applications because you do stay in the pool until you time out or you do the seaplane rating on your own wow. at 25 and you time out at 25 at the end of your 25th year. So, um, and, uh, we had a actually text in question asking about, um, do you have to be present at the events to get the award? And the answer is no. Sometimes we do an award specifically for people that apply at the events like the Northwest aviation trade show and conference, but it's not a requirement in most, most cases. That's great to know for someone like me because I I have looked into scholarships and it just wasn't financially viable for me to travel to collect the scholarship. But that was a requirement was that I had to be present at this certain event or dinner to receive the scholarship. And so it's really too bad. It just it knocks down um, scholarships that I could have applied for. Yeah, and it is expensive to travel to do that. Um, One of the nice things with the one in Montana that we do is a lot of that goes through the schools and so the colleges and the Montana Pilots or the Montana Pilots Association, they actually sponsor a lot of these kids to come to the event, which is really neat. Um, And then if you award that applicant, if if you have an award and um, that applicant gets picked, they ask you if you would like to sponsor their lunch or dinner because they do it at a dinner because they know you can't afford it. I mean, that's when you're when you're young like that. It's it's 
not feasible most of the time. Otherwise, you wouldn't be applying for the application. Exactly. It's like I'm applying yeah. for the scholarship <laughs> because I have a financial need for it. And so yeah. Yeah. like traveling to collect and- it takes all that money out of the scholarship. It's like now the scholarship is that much less because I had to pay to get to where I could collect it. <laughs> And, and so, that's one of the things that, that has been a little bit of a concern about making them be a member of the organization. But that I think is important because I think any time any of us are flying, when we can support the Seaplane Pilots Association and support, you know, AOPA, EAA, whatever your your passion is, you need to get behind those organizations because you guys are the ones who keep us flying. If it weren't for Steve coming out to Montana, we would have been in a bad way. I mean, we had a lot of people helping with the invasive species, but he put together a whole presentation and it was all short notice because we got uh, we got a phone call one night saying they're having a meeting tomorrow and they're talking about shutting down the Flathead Basin because of invasive species. Well, Pete, my boss, got together about 50 people that night that showed up at the meeting and they said, okay, we will hold off and while this gets looked at. And then Steve got out there within, I think it was like two weeks and had this whole presentation for us. And we, so that's why we kind of feel like anybody who is, I know it's hard to spend $40 on an application, I mean, on a membership, but it's well worth it. It, it. it is something that when you're flying, you need to support these organizations that keep us flying. And so that's why we do require the applicants to be a member of the Seaplane Pilots Association. Yeah, it's a little bit of just proving that you're Commitment. sincerely interested. And I know I can remember in the, in, when I started my PPL, and I joined AOPA. It was kind of like a rite of passage for me. And I just was like, okay, I'm now a member of the general aviation community. And it's the same thing with the seaplane uh, pilots and, mm-hmm. and this scholarship. So, Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I've wanted to have you on the podcast since the very beginning. I'm glad we're finally sitting down to do it today. Um, we have been thinking about you endlessly this month, especially with it being the 10th year anniversary. Think about Chuck and Tyler endlessly all the time and all the great memories. And I just want to thank you for coming on board and and helping us uh, on the committee now to manage the scholarship program. Uh, Steve, Abby, I really appreciate you having us here or having me here. Um, Poor Mike had to listen to a lot of this because I was trying to get ready for it. So (laughs) I feel like he's here now. But anyway, I really appreciate you having us on the podcast and being able to talk about this because it's something that is near and dear to me and um, it helps keep Tyler and Chuck's memory alive. As you can see, I really enjoy talking about them. And um, that's one of the hard things when somebody's gone, you just miss being able to share stories about them. So I do appreciate you taking the time to let me share some of the stories about Tyler and Chuck because we love them and I miss them like crazy and (laughs) I just appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this very special and emotional uh, podcast as I break up a little bit. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in and, and, you know, allowing us to share who uh, Chuck and, and Tyler were and a little bit about them and this amazing scholarship that we've created in their memory. So if you are under 25 or under and would like to apply for the scholarship, you can do so 
at seaplanefoundation.org. And if you go to the What We Do uh, tab at the top of the page, just pick scholarships and you can read about the scholarship and apply for the scholarship. And if you would like to support the Tyler Orzo Chuck Kimes Memorial Scholarship with a tax deductible donation, I'd love to encourage you to do so, which you can also do at the seaplanefoundation.org website. There's a donate button at the top right of the page. If you hit that, uh, you can select scholarship under what you'd like to uh, earmark the money for, and you can just select the, the Tyler Orzo or Orzo. Chuck Kimes Memorial Scholarship there, and we would love to uh, see those 501c3 tax-deductible donations come in and support the this amazing program. So until next time, blue skies, calm waters, thank you all for listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.